Amen. Amen. Come on. Praise the Lord. Here we are. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in a time of spirit-filled worship and praise. Uh, there's something about that name. Amen. The name of Jesus. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like him. And I believe he's going to meet with us in this time as we call upon the name of the Lord and now look to his word for direction, for counsel, for wisdom, for encouragement, for conviction. God's word does all those things. So we're here in Ephesians chapter 5. We've been walking verse by verse through this big, awesome book in the Bible called Ephesians, and we've made our way all the way to the fifth chapter, uh, really toward the end of this chapter in a sub-series within the series that we've titled Spirit-Filled Family. Spirit-Filled Family. So if you have a Bible... And I hope that you do. Turn with me to Ephesians 5, and we're going to start at verse 25 and go all the way to 30. If you're ready, say ready. ready. If you're hungry, say let's eat. let's eat. Father, before we eat from your word right now, we do ask for, one more time, we ask for your help. That we are well aware of, of the moment that the devil would want to do everything possible to distract us from this message. So God, help us to be locked in. Holy Spirit, give us spirit-filled concentration. And God, I pray that we would leave here changed. We leave here better. We would grow closer to you in this time in a real way and that you would wash us with your word. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus together. Amen. Amen. Ephesians 5, starting in verse 25, it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that, here's our verse for today, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle, any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. This morning, we open up to the third installment in our Subseries within the subseries, spirit-filled husbands. Spirit-filled husbands. This is this is part three. We're spending a lot of time talking to the husbands, and let me go ahead and remind you that this is a word for everybody. All right, this is a word for everybody. All right. Um, we talked about sacrificial love in Ephesians chapter five, verse twenty-five. It says, "It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church." Right? We see this here as Christ loved the church. Well, how did Jesus love the church? Sacrificially. How do you know it was sacrificial? Well, because he gave himself up for her. Sacrificial love looks like you got to give something. you got to sacrifice something. <laughs> but the thing about Jesus is he sacrificed himself. He gave himself for his bride. He gave up himself to love and serve and save us. And now it says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loves the church sacrificially. And then it says, that he might sanctify her. We call this sanctifying love, right? So Jesus doesn't just save us and leave us, but praise God, he sends us his Holy Spirit to make us more holy. He, 
He, he saves and then sends to make us more sanctified, to make us more set apart. And he says that the marriage relationship is a picture of sanctifying love because husbands and wives are continuing to challenge each other, continuing to get better together, continuing to grow deeper with one another. So marriage is sacrificial love on display. Marriage is sanctifying love on display. Washing of water with the word is how sanctification happens in one another's lives. So if you're not married, doesn't mean that you shouldn't pick up the word. It means you should pick up the word all the more. The word's still going to wash you. The word's going to speak to you. How about this? Jesus said, my words have made you clean to his disciples, and his disciples weren't all married. So the truth is this is a message for everybody. So much so, check this out, the author of Ephesians 5 wasn't married. But he's writing extensively on marriage, right? The Apostle Paul did not have a wife. He said, but I'm part of the church, so this is a message for me. So we move uh, into this next section that we're calling satisfying love, satisfying love. As we look at verse 26, we see this on display, and then it jumps into verse 27. 27 says, so that, everybody say, so that. Come on, say, so that. I love the so that moments in the Bible because the so that moments just remind us that we're going somewhere. We're moving somewhere. We're going into something new. It says so that all this is happening, right? Sacrificial love, sanctifying love is so that he might present the church to himself in splendor. Whew, what a verse. Everybody say splendor. 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 I've been spending some time with this word splendor. It's been it's been speaking to me. I, I didn't fully understand it. I thought I had an idea of what that might mean so that he might present the church. So listen to me. Jesus Christ is going to present his bride, us, the church, in splendor one day in eternity. This is where we're going, church. I love how Stephen Covey says it. He says it like this. He says, to begin with the end in mind means to start with a clear understanding of your destination. That Jesus says, when it comes to the marriage relationship, just know that this isn't the end goal right now. That we're actually going somewhere. We have a destination. It means to know where you're going so that you better understand where you are now and so that the steps you take are always in the right direction. The marriage relationship has steps to it. Spirit-filled husbands, you are leading your wife toward the destination. What's the destination? Splendor. It's a splendid destination. I think this is helpful to see. As we look back at verse 27, it says, So that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. How crazy is it that the Father, God himself, is going to walk all of us that call Jesus Christ Lord and Savior. That means that we're the church. We're the called out ones that call upon the name of the Lord. That the Father God is going to walk us down the aisle one day. In, in eternity. In splendor. I mean, just know that. that that's the destination. For the church and spirit-filled marriages, that, that's the destination of your marriage. Keep working toward that. Look at what a beautiful picture. This, this, this spirit-filled marriage has an end in mind without spot or wrinkle. Praise God. Amen. Some folks may have a few more wrinkles than others in here. 
But one day there'll be none. There'll be no more spots. There'll be no more blemishes. I love how the Apostle Paul says, or any such thing. You're like, well, I don't got any of those, but I got, well, that too, all right? That won't make it either. We're go- we have a destination. Come on, somebody. We, we, we need to be heavenly minded so that we can be super earthly good, right? So we can have spirit-filled marriages. A heavenly mindset will help you be a good husband and wife today. We're going somewhere. Now, here's some cool things about this that I just want you to be aware of. It's a reality statement that I hope is going to set somebody free. Let me give you this reality statement. So everybody say it with me, all right? We're going to see if we got it on the screen. It's, I haven't arrived yet, but I'm on my way. Come on, say it with me together. One, two, three. I haven't arrived yet, but I'm on my way. Here's what I want you to do. Especially if you're married, this is going to be awkward. But look at the person next to you and say, friend. Come on, say, friend. I haven't arrived yet, but I'm on my way. Now, some of y'all are like, amen, I know. You definitely haven't. You definitely, praise God, you haven't arrived yet. I I think too often couples get married and they think they've arrived. Like, hey, it's, we've arrived. I've done several, I've officiated several weddings, but this, because of this message, this is one thing I'm going to insert. I'm going to say, husband, <laughs> to be, look at your spouse and say, I haven't arrived yet. I'm on my way. This is my next step. And I'm going to have her exchange that vow as well, all right? Look, you haven't arrived yet. This is encouragement. We're not there yet. We still have spots and wrinkles and such things. We haven't arrived yet. But we're on our way. In honor of Black History Month, which has been an incredible month, and I would encourage you to take time to read some resources from some African-American leaders and theologians that have written extensively on the gospel and have made a difference in real ways. I want to quote from the Honorable Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. He once said it like this, I may not be the man I want to be. I may not be the man I ought to be. I may not be the man I could be. I may not be the man I truly can be, but praise God, I'm not the man I once was. Amen? That's a word for all of us here today. And Dr. King was saying, hey, look, I'm not there yet. I have a dream. Not that we're not, we're, we're still not there. So, so husbands and wives and church, be encouraged. There's a destination ahead of us. We're growing and going toward it. And it's okay. That's a word for for some couples in the room. Like, I know your spirit-filled husband is not as spirit-filled as you'd like him to be yet. And your spirit-filled wife is not as spirit-filled as you'd like her to be yet. But we're on the way. I'm not there yet. I'm going to start telling people that, hey, look, I know I'm not there yet. I know, but I'm on my way. I'm getting better. Don't get bitter. Get better. That was like a sermon from Ephesians 4. You got to go back and watch that one. One day, one day Jesus is going to present us in splendor. Let me give you some definitions for the word splendor. 
The word splendor means brilliant or gorgeous appearance. To be presented in splendor means that the church is going to be brilliant. He's going to present us brilliantly, gorgeously in appearance. The word splendor means magnificent. An instance or display of grandeur, which means impressive or awesome. When when the Father presents us down the aisle, church, it's going to be grandeur. It's going to be impressive. People are going to say, wow, maybe you've been to a wedding before. And that moment happens where all rise. And right, the doors in the back open and boom, there she comes, right? The, the, The wife on that moment, on that day is presented with splendor. And right, her, her dad walks her down the aisle like our father is going to walk us down the aisle. And the church is going to be beautiful. And the church is going to be representative of all tribes, tongues, nations, and colors, and ethnicities, and ages, and backgrounds. And the father is going to walk us down the aisle and present us to Christ in splendor. It's going to be brilliant for all my English folks. It's going to be brilliant, mate. It's going it's to it's be gorgeous. Like all the angels are going to be like, man, this is gorgeous. This is dope. Like the angels, honestly, Ephesians 3 tells us that the angels are going to wish that they could have been a part of the church. The angels are going to be so impressed by this moment that they're even going to be like, man, why, how, can we, like, how can we just get to attend? How can, how can we can't get walked down like we're part of the church. It's a beautiful thing to be a part of the church. That's why I encourage all people to get plugged into a local church. And if you're a first-time guest here, we'd love for you to get plugged into this local church. And we would, we would love to invite you into our family. Now, let me go ahead and remind you, we haven't arrived yet. <laughs> but we're on the way. All right? So just know, especially for the... The married couples in the room, y'all haven't, y'all haven't arrived. It's okay. You don't need to overreact. But just make sure you're on the way. And, and here's the text. Here's what, here's what we need to be reminded of is that it's husband's job to help remind their wives that they're headed in the right direction. Right? Remember, sacrificial love, Christ loved the church, gave himself up for it, leads to sanctifying love, we're washing each other in the word, we're being set apart to look more and more like Jesus, which, which leads to this one day glor- glorious love, glorification, where we'll glorify God in our own glory at the last day when we'll be presented to Christ himself. Let me give you just some pictures of it. I just want to read them quickly. Revelation chapter 19 speaks of this time. Revelation says, let us rejoice. Come on, rejoice, amen? (laughs) And exalt and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. This is the moment. His bride has made herself ready. (laughs) We'll no longer say, everybody say ready. (laughs) We'll be ready, right? It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Right? The, the church is going to be presented to the, the husband, Christ, in this fine linen. Revelation 19 goes on to 21, the last chapter in the Bible. The apostle John, he says he looked up and he saw the holy city, 
a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. It's going to happen. 21 continues into verse 9. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the capital B, bride. That's us. The wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city. We got the next verse? Have a next verse? Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. I love the, the, the detail here, amen? Right, like look at the detail of the bride, us. We're coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God on us. Wow. The radiance was like a most rare jewel. I mean, think about the apostle John. Like, he's like, man, what type of jewel is that? Is that Jasper? <laughs> he knew his jewels. I love that. It's like, I think, I don't know. It's like a very rare one. It's like a Jasper. No, it's almost like a crystal. It's like clear like a crystal. I'm going to write that down, right? We have that detail in the scripture. This is John trying to describe the splendor. We're not there yet, but we're on the way. Dr. King, praise God I'm not the man or woman that we used to be. We're we're growing. We're getting better. So I want to encourage everybody in the room today, just keep getting better. Right? Like, take your mind off of perfection and, and put it on progression. Let's just, the reason why, one of the reasons why we're called walk church is because just one step. This isn't run church. Although I, I love running. This doesn't stand church, all right? Though there's power in standing in the Lord. But man, I think the most power is when Jesus calls ordinary disciples, sinful people. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, uh, 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 the different disciples that we see in the Bible. When he calls them, they don't got it all together, but they're going somewhere. Jesus would always say, hey, just come follow me. We're going somewhere. Where are we going? Just follow me. We're going somewhere. We haven't arrived yet, but we are on the way. Amen? Amen. See, over the past six weeks, we've been in this series called Spirit-Filled Family. We've been focusing in on spirit-filled marriage because that's the foundation of the family. And we've, we've talked about a, a variety of things. We've, I'll put this on the, on the slides. We've talked about the why. And it's always important to start with why. I think it's key to always have your why right. Why are we talking about this? Why is spirit-filled marriage important? Well, it's because of the glory of God. The, the why we're being spirit-filled is because we want to glorify God with our lives. Romans eleven thirty six says, Not to us, but to him be the glory, comma, in all things. So all things are working together for the glory of God. Right? If you can't glorify God in it, don't do it. Right? If, if, if this is not something that can lead to God getting more glory, God is passionate about his glory. I would dare to say God is jealous for his glory. Like God is about God. He's all about his glory. Now here's the secret and the beauty. When God gets glorified, we get satisfied. Right? When God gets glorified, we get filled up. When somebody says, hey, Hayden. Man, I want to glorify God because of you. 
I'm like, yes. I don't think, man, I wanted that glory. I don't think that. I actually get filled up. The more God gets glory, the more I get joyful. Right? Any other thinking is a child mentality. That's why Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, well, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I acted like a child, but, but as I grew older, I began thinking like a man of God, like a woman of God, gives God the glory, doesn't rob God of his glory, but, but goes and gives it back to God. Says, man, you, you, you saw something in me? Well, you must have seen the glory of God because it wasn't me. You wouldn't like me if it wasn't for him, right? Let me glorify him. Let me just, we, should have, we should have tons of glory going up to God. So why spirit-filled marriage? The glory of God. Why spirit-filled parenting? The glory of God. Why spirit-filled friendship? The glory of God. Why spirit-filled worship? The glory of God. Right? Why, why spirit-filled charge groups? The glory of God. Why spirit-filled sports? The glory of God. Why spirit-filled application in your job? Whatever it is that you do, do it for, come on, the glory of God. That's the why. That, that actually, that will never change. Whatever sermon series we do, the why stays the same. It's for his glory. We even just saw it at the end. The end is the glory of God. At the wedding, supper, marriage, lamb moment in Revelation, we see God's glory. Now, the what? What are we talking about? Well, we're talking about marriage and the gospel. Marriage on one hand, the gospel on the other. The Apostle Paul says the greatest picture of the gospel outside of the gospel itself is marriage. If you want to see the gospel on display, look at a spirit-filled marriage. You'll see a husband leading his wife the way Christ leads his church. You'll see a husband loving his wife the way Christ loves the church. You'll see a husband sanctifying his wife the way Christ sanctifies the church. The, the glorious picture, the what, is marriage and the gospel. That's what we've been talking about. Now, the who. The who is husbands and wives. Again, Christ and the church. Who are we talking about? Well, we're talking about husbands and wives. Why does the who matter? Because some people might hear marriage and think something different. Fair? 2020, anybody? We hear marriage and we think, well, that means all types of stuff. The Bible would say spirit-filled marriage to the glory of God looks like husbands, which is the Greek word anir, which means a man, and wives, which is ezir, which means wives, helpers, women of God that lead, right? Women of God that, that trust their husband, that, that submit to their husband, men of God who lead their wives and love their wives sacrificially, that this is what this refers to, and that's a picture of Christ and the church, Christ and the church, right? And so finally that leads to the where. That's where we're at today, right? The where is glory in heaven, but we're, we're missing one moment. We're missing a, a factor. Do you guys know what it is? It's really important to it. I'll go ahead and put it up. It's the how. How? How, how is it going to happen? We got the why. We got the what. We got the where. We got the who, but... All that is great here, but like, how? How do we get there? How do we walk it out? How do we get there? This is, praise God, where we're going next. I love these next two verses, verse 29. Or 28, it says, In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. So here's how you do it. Husbands, here's how you're going to get there. you got to love your wife. Like you love yourself. 
Husbands, it's up to you to lead the way. We've been talking about that for three weeks. Initiate, initiate, initiate. How are you going to get? And ladies, if you're not married yet, then just keep on pressing on. You haven't arrived yet. But you are married to Christ. So allow him to continue to initiating and leading your life. Right? He who loves his wife loves himself. Going on. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. It says, husbands, love their wives. We see this word love again. Pastor Dean talked about it last week. This agape love. The word love is still the same word there. This Husbands, in the same way as Christ does with the the church in heaven, husbands, love your wives as your own bodies. He says, this is going to help you. It's going to help you. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14 says, it's the love of Christ that compels us. Come on, actually read this verse with me. Ready? One, two, three. For the love of Christ compels us. Let me give you a secret. Spirit-filled husbands, the most compelling thing... For your wife to trust you and to follow you and even would be to submit to you would be that you love her. The church does not automatically just love Jesus. We don't. In fact, we do the opposite. But I'll tell you what makes us and compels us to love Jesus. You know what it is? His love for us. Amen? The the way Jesus loves us, forgives us, cares for us, shows grace to us, shows mercy to us, that compels us. I love you, Jesus. I want to love you back. You just keep loving me. I don't want to abuse God's grace. No. The Apostle Paul in Romans 6 says, because God's grace is so good, should we keep sinning? And then he puts, no. No. The, the grace of God doesn't free us to sin, frees us from sin, right? We, sh- we should love God so much that all of a sudden sin is like, you, you, you're weak compared to the love of God. Like sin, you've lost your power. Even death has lost its sting. Like death is not even scary anymore because we know where we're going. We have a destination, The love of Christ compels us. This right here tells us that it's going to be the love of husbands that compel their wives. I read this quote. It it spoke to me. It's from an unknown authorship. It talks about about the love of Christ. See if we... we, I'll I'll put it up here on on a reality statement. Maybe you guys have heard this before. It says, happy wife, happy life. Now, I know a lady's like, hey, hold up now. Happy spouse, happy house, all right? Right? This idea of husbands, if you love your wives, you're going to be happier. I just, I mean, this kind of sounds elementary, and that's fine. This is a word for me. If your wife's happy, and her, her happiness will be a result of your love, you're going to be happy. This is what God calls you to do. He says, Paul's like, hey, look, Paul's like, I'm not a husband, but if I was a husband, I would love my wife because then that's like loving me. Happy spouse, happy house. Let me give you one more reality statement. This quote right here spoke to me. A happy man marries the woman he loves. A happier man loves the woman he married. Right? 
Well said. I wish I could say I came up with it. But, but it's a helpful word today for somebody here in the room. Like, because I, I really believe all of us want to be happy. Happiness is often determined by what's happening. So joy definitely trumps happiness. It doesn't make happiness a bad thing. It just makes joy better because joy is not circumstantial. Joy is a choice, right? But happiness is circumstantial. So if you want to be happy in your marriage, love your wife. Sometimes when I meet people that have unhappy marriages, I say, man, what, what's your like, love barometer at, bro? You like, Are you doing anything that's loving? No, you're not happy. I wouldn't be happy either. That's why Paul says, look, this is the, um, Paul's giving us the how. We got the why, what, where, and who. Now we get the, the how. Happy wives respond to loving husbands. Right? Happy man marries the woman he loves. That'll make you happy. But a happier man loves the woman he married. <laughs> That's what, what Jesus does. He continues to love us, doesn't he? Yes, he does. We talked about love. 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. Right, love is not self-seeking. Love does not dishonor others. One of, probably, probably my favorite one. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. Brothers and sisters here at the church, don't model a false gospel by keeping a record of wrongs. Now, everybody, learn from your wrongs. Right? A, a wise man like, learns from his mistakes. Right? But we're not called to keep a record of wrongs. We're called to love people the way Christ loves us. And that should be modeled perfectly in the marriage relationship. Let me go ahead and move into verse 29, the last part of this text. It says, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. I love this phrase right here, nourishes. Really, how's it going to happen? How are we going to arrive at our destination? It's going to come by these two words, nourish and cherish. Everybody say nourish, nourish. and cherish. cherish. Come on, one more time. Nourish, nourish. cherish. cherish. Husbands in the room. I know I'm, I, this is a spirit-filled, husbands-focused message. You got to be better nourishers. Now, you might say, I don't even know what that means, man. You showed up at the right day. I'll break it down for you. What does it mean to nourish? Let me go ahead and talk about what it means to nourish. Nourish is a verb. It's an action word. And all of my non-husbands in the room that are, that are young men that are praying for this, start getting this stuff down now. You're going to set yourself up for a win. Spirit-filled marriage. The word nourish means to nurture. It means to provide with the food or other substances necessary for growth, health, and good condition. Let me ask all the married couples in the room. What condition is your marriage? Is it in a good condition? If the answer is no, start nourishing. Providing. Necessary for growth. Is your marriage growing? You got to do the things that are necessary for your spouse to grow. To sustain with food or nutriment. To supply with what is necessary for life, health, and growth. That, that the, the spirit-filled marriage should be a picture of life, health, and growth. We need to start doing these things. To strengthen, build up, or promote. Strengthen your wife. Build up your wife. 
Give your wife a promotion. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but just do it, all right? It's a good thing. Whatever. I mean, I've never heard anybody get mad about a promotion, all right? Like, provide, sustain. These are the callings upon all the spirit-filled husbands. Again, these are all the things that Jesus does for us, right? Doesn't Jesus nurture, provide, sustain, and strengthen and build up the church? These are the characteristics of Christ. So so even if you're not married in here, guess what? This is a word for you. This is all the things Jesus says. And if you're not a believer here today and you would say, you know what, I'm not even part of the church. Let me go ahead and tell you this. Look at all that you're missing out on. You don't need to do all this alone. You actually have a better provider, a better strengthener. You got a, you got a strength coach. His name's Jesus. He wants to nourish you. So figure out ways to nourish your, your wife. Again, if you, didn't, if you didn't get the Right Now Media last week, um, you can still get it. Put on your connection card today. Right now, media, it's a free access. It's the Netflix of Christian Bible studies. We've paid for a subscription for everybody in our church to get access to the website. And I, 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 it's a beautiful resource that I'd love for you to tap into. Um, my wife and I are going through a book by Francis Chan called You and Me Forever. We have those books for sale today. I know they sold out last week, but we got a whole bunch more, so you can pick them up today. We're selling them for $10, which is cheaper than the regular price on Amazon. And you can go on to Right Now Media and watch the clips for free and do the study together. It, it, it'll bless you. Nourish your spouse, okay? Amen? Amen? But nourishment leads to cherishing. What does the word cherish mean? Nourish and cherish. Cherish means to keep or cultivate with care and affection. Sounds a lot like Jesus. To harbor in the mind deeply and resolutely, to protect and care for someone lovingly, to hold something dear, to care for tenderly. Husbands, you've got to care for your wife tenderly, the way Jesus cares for us. He, he nourishes and cherishes. So as I conclude, how are we going to get to the finish line? How are we going to make it to glory? How are we going to make it to splendor? Here's how, nourishing and cherishing. Nourishing and cherishing. And wives, definitely go ahead and, you know, you can get in on the nourishment and cherishment too. I'm not saying that you're absent from this. Um, but it should be the husband that lead in this area. Because we're, we're, we're modeling Christ. Love how Proverbs says it. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 18 and 19. It's a deep verse right here for married couples only. It says, let your fountain be blessed. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. All right, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. I wouldn't call my wife that, but the Proverbs refers, man, you like a graceful doe right now. You look like a, you look like a deer. <laughs> I'm not going to go that route. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. <laughs> Be intoxicated always in her love. All right, I'm not going to go too much into this subject. Find a right now media study about marriage and sex, and it'll help you. Um, but I would just say this, that husbands, love your wives and nourish and cherish your wives. And wives, be open to nourishment and cherishment from your husbands, okay? Um, it, says, it says, I love this word. Where's this word? Uh, delight. Let it, delight yourself in the wife of your youth. 
right? So if you got married at a young age or you got married in an old age, to us, to God, we're all youth, all right? God refers to all of us as children. The oldest person in the room, God sees as a child. So, so let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated. How about that word? Be intoxicated with her love. Start watering your garden, brothers. Sisters, be open to the gardening, the watering. You know? Um, but if you're not married, just delete this part of the sermon, all right? <laughs> but this is something to look. You're not there yet. You're not there yet. But you're on the way, amen? Come on, you're on the way. Just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. You know, this is, I, I mean, this is how Christ, like, Christ nourishes and cherishes us, the church. This, ju- just as, this is important, this last word, this just as. Remember, this is the most, this is the best picture, the, the just as Christ does the church. So all my married couples in the room, if y'all are not coming to the marriage conference next week, what, where are you going? <laughs> Right, nourish and cherish your wife by saying, "Hey, I'm. I already got us. I already got us tickets. Where are we going to the marriage conference? Oh man, <laughs> go there. Nourish and cherish, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of His body. Friends, we we are members of the body of Christ, and Jesus, so good. Jesus is always going to take care of His body. Right, Jesus always is going to stay in the gym. He's always going to stay healthy." He's always going to nourish and cherish his body. So praise God. If you're part of the church, you're going to make it. Jesus is going to continue the work that he started within you. He's going to nourish and cherish you. Just be open to that. Sanctifying, sacrificial, satisfying, glorifying love is on display in Ephesians 5. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you so much for your word. We are in need of it, God. Help us, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your word. And God, I do pray right now for all the couples in the room that are in need of a word from you. God, would you speak to each person here? And God, if there's somebody here that doesn't know that you laid your life down for them, if there's somebody here today that doesn't know you as Savior, today I pray would be the day of salvation, that they would repent of their sins, turn away from their sins, and that they would turn their eyes on Jesus, the husband that died for us because he loved us. That it would be the love of Christ that compels you to get saved today. You can do that right now. By just calling upon his name, you can do that right now. If you can just say, Jesus, save me right now, he'll save you. If you say, Jesus, I believe that you died for my sin. I believe you rose from the grave. I believe it not just in my head, but in my heart. I believe it with everything in me that you're my Savior. Go there. And here's this promise to you. I'm going to nourish you, and I'm going to cherish you. You're not going to have any need. God, I pray that you would nourish and cherish all of your people today. And if you need to make a decision to receive Christ, I want to encourage you to do it right now. And if you need to renew your relationship with Jesus, do it right now. Allow him to nourish and cherish you and save you forevermore. God, help us to get there. We're not there yet, but God, we are on the way. I pray that we would get there. 
Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen.